0: And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. The Old Testament book of Jeremiah and Jeremiah in chapter number 36. Jeremiah and chapter number 36. Now we're currently in a series of talking about the Holy Scriptures. And we've just been taking some time in the last several weeks to be able to examine more about the Scriptures so that way you can have confidence that the Bible that you have in your hand is indeed the very Word of God and that you can have confidence and trust in God's precious word. Now through it, we've started off, we talked about inspiration. That word means God breathed and we believe that God breathed his scriptures. We went on to explain how much of inspiration we believe. We believe in what is called the verbal plenary inspiration, meaning that each and every word is inspired of God. We continued by talking about the inerrancy of God's word, that we believe that all the Bible is true. That's the idea of inerrancy, that it's without er error. That it is all true that God has faithfully recorded his word. We continue to talk about the accuracy of God's word. That every subject that the Bible speaks about is accurate. Whether it's science, whether it's history, archaeology, all of those things the Bible is true. And it is a source that we can trust in all subjects. We continue to go with it to talk about canonicity. The idea that God is the one who wrote the Bible. He's the one who says what should be in the Bible. That man didn't determine what uh, the scriptures were supposed to say. Or which books were supposed to be added. God did. Man just recognized God's own work. And then we took some time this last Sunday. To speak about the preservation of scripture. And we saw through the Bible that God promised to preserve his his word, that just as inspiration is a supernatural doctrine, meaning that we believe that God wrote the Bible, not man, we believe that preservation is just as a supernatural doctrine, meaning that God promised to preserve his word, and God is capable of keeping his own word. And then we spoke about on Sunday night the historical evidence of preservation, meaning that other than the Bible, do we have any other proof that God did indeed inspire his word? And we took some time to go through many different things of historical value to show that the Bible that we have is perfectly preserved. Again, all building the idea that the Bible that you have in your hand is indeed the word of God, and we can trust it, and that we can have confidence in it. Now, what we're going to do as we turn to Jeremiah chapter 36, we're going to turn to a historical passage that is going to illustrate what we spoke about of both inspiration and preservation. And we can see God illustrating this in the life of Jeremiah and Jeremiah in chapter number 36. Jeremiah chapter 36, and if you don't mind, let's start in verse number one. Jeremiah chapter 36, starting at verse number one. And it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take thee a roll of a book, and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel, and against Judah, and against all the nations, from the day I spoke unto thee from the days of Josiah, Even into this day. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do unto them. That they may return every man from his evil way. That I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Then Jeremiah called Baruch the son of Neri. And Baruch wrote. From the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord which he had spoken unto him upon a roll of a book. And Jeremiah commanded Baruch saying, I am shut up. I cannot go into the house of the Lord. Therefore go thou and read in the roll that thou hast written from my mouth the words of the Lord in the ears of the people in the house of the Lord's house upon fasting <laughs> the fasting day, and also thou shalt read them in the ears of all Judah that come out of their cities. It may be that they will present their supplication before the Lord, and return, will return every one from his evil way. For great is the anger and fury of the Lord, hath pronounced. Against this people. And Baruch the son of Neri did according to all that Jeremiah the prophet commanded him, reading in the book the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. And it came to pass in the fifth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month, that they proclaimed a fast before the Lord to all the people in Jerusalem and to all the people that came from the cities of Judah unto Jerusalem then read baruch in the in the book of the words of jeremiah in the house of the lord in the chamber of gemariah the son of shaphan the scribe in the higher court at the entry of the new gate of the lord's house in the ears of all the people and when micaiah the son of gemariah the son of shaphan had heard out of the book all the words of the lord then he went down into the king's house and into the scribe's chamber and lo, all the princes sat there, even Elishama the scribe, and Delilah, the son of Shemiah, and Ithanah, <coughs> El-Nathan, the son of Akbor, and Gemara, the son of Shaphan, and Zedekiah, the son of Hananiah, and all the princes. Then when Micaiah... Kiah heard unto them all the words he had heard when Baruch read the book of the ears of the people. Therefore, all the princes set Jehudi, the son of Nethaniah, the son of Shalemiah, the son of Cushai, unto Baruch, saying, Take in thy hand the roll wherein. Thou hast read in the ears of the people, and come. So Baruch the son of Nerai took the roll in his hand, and came unto them. And they said unto him, Sit down now, and read it in our ears. So Baruch read it in their ears. Now it came to pass, when they had heard all the words, they were afraid one and another, and said unto Baruch, We will surely tell the king of all these words." And they asked Baruch saying, tell us now, how didst thou write all these words at his mouth? Then Baruch answered them, he pronounced all these words unto me with his mouth and I wrote them with ink in the book. Then said the princes unto Baruch, Go hide thee, thou and Jeremiah, and let no man know where ye be. And they went in to the king into the court, but they laid up the roll in the chamber of Elisha of the scribe, and told all the words in the ears of the king. So the king sent Jehudi to fetch the roll, and he took it out of Elishama of the scribe's chamber. And Jehudi read it in the ears of the king, and in the ears of all the princes which stood beside the king. King. Now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month, and there was a fire on the hearth burning before him. And it came to pass that when Jehudi did read three or four leaves, he cut it with a penknife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Yet they were not afraid, nor rent their garments, neither the king, nor any of his servants that heard all these words. Nevertheless, Elnithin and Delilah and Gameriah had made intercession to the king that he would not burn the roll, but he would not hear them. But the king commanded Je- <laughs> Jeremiah, the son of Himalek, and Syriai, the son of Azrael, and Shalima, the son of Abedal, to take Baruch the scribe and Jeremiah the prophet. But the Lord hid them. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after that the king had burnt the roll, and the words which Baruch wrote at the mouth of Jeremiah, saying, Take thee again, another roll, and write in it all the former words that were in the first roll, which Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, had burned. And thou shalt say unto Jehoiakim, king of Judah, thus saith the Lord, thou hast burnt this roll, saying, why hast thou written therein, saying, the king of Babylon shall certainly come and destroy this land, and shall cause them to cease from thence man to be. Therefore saith the Lord of Jehoiakim king of Judah. He shall have none to sit upon the throne of David. And his dead body shall be cast out in the day to the heat and in the night to the frost. And I will punish him and his seed and his servants for their iniquity. And I will bring upon them and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And upon the men of Judah all the evil that I have pronounced against them. But they hearken not. Then took Jeremiah another roll and gave it to Baruch the scribe the son of Nerai who wrote therein from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the book which Jehoiakim king of Judah had burned in the fire and there were added beside them Many like words, and if you have the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark two phrases that I want to bring to your attention in verse number twenty-three, Jeremiah twenty-six, and verse twenty-three? Notice what Jehoiakim did. Verse number twenty-three, he cut it with a pin knife. He cut it with a pin knife, and then in verse number twenty-eight, I want you to t- underline the phrase in verse number twenty-eight. Take thee again. Another role. Take thee again another role. And for simplicity's sake, we're just going to shorten the title to penknife Knife and Preservation. penknife Knife and Preservation preservation. If you don't mind, let's go to the throne room of grace and let's talk to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today, we're just asking that you would just give us grace and that you would give us mercy. That you would help us to understand the illustration that you give us from history to see how you are able to preserve your precious word. It doesn't matter what the attacks are. It doesn't matter where the destruction comes from. You are able to preserve your word. And I'm asking that you would use this to be an encouragement to us to have an understanding that the Bible that we have in our hand is indeed the word that you intended us to have. Thank you for your promises that we could depend upon. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now again, this is a historical passage that speaks quite a bit About this illustration of God giving us the inspiration of God's word. And God preserving his word. If you don't mind let's kind of walk through here quickly. And I want to first of all bring to your attention the power of God's word. The power of God's word. Now... We start off by watching this inspiration of God's word. How has God given us his word in the first place? Well, notice with me in verse number two. God is giving instructions to Jeremiah. And he says, take thee a roll of a book. Now remember, when it's speaking of a roll of a book, before we actually had books in, in the format of open it up left to right, they had scrolls. So it's talking about taking a scroll, taking a leaf of a scroll, And write therein all the words that I've spoken unto thee against Israel, and against Judah, and against the nations from the day that I spoke to thee, to the days of Josiah, even unto this day. Now, with this, just as a minor gee whiz type thing, remember the book of Jeremiah is not written in chronological order, meaning that if you started Jeremiah 1 and go all the way up to Jeremiah 52, it's not going to be in chronological order. It kind of bounces around. There are some passages that it even speaks about three kings at once that had different reigns, but at the time that this is being written, God is saying Jeremiah what I want you to do is from the time of Josiah from the time you were called to preach, I want you to record everything that happened thus far I want you to write it down and I want you to have a record of it Jeremiah can you do that yes no notice with me <laughs> as he goes on verse number six go therefore go and read the rule so Jeremiah Reads the rule. Actually, let's hit verse number four. Forgive me. Then Jeremiah called Baruch the son of Neri, And Baruch wrote from the mouth of Jeremiah... All the words of the Lord which he had spoken unto him unto the role of the book. So here they take the role. God had given Jeremiah the task of recording what happened. Now Jeremiah speaks to his scribe Baruch, and Baruch begins to write down what Jeremiah told him. This is a picture of inspiration. Remember, we talked about before at the very beginning that inspiration carries the idea of God breathe, and the same breath that God breathed into Adam to make him a living soul is the same breath. That God breathed into the scriptures. And that understanding comes that God is the author of the book. Some people say, well, what about man? Well, we appreciate that. Let's say that I was going to take a piece of paper and I was going to write my name on it. As I write down my name, what wrote down my name? The pen was the instrument, but it couldn't do anything by itself. There had to be a force behind it. I'm the author and I used an instrument. We understand that God used different human penmen to record his word. Just like we could have different color pens and different style pens. There was different style authors. And that God used different authors for different times for their texture. Remember, different pens are made different ways. They have different experiences. You can't separate the instrument from the writing. But it was God that did the writing. And that the men were the human instrument. This is an illustrated right here. Jeremiah's telling. telling Baruch, Baruch write this. And what did Baruch do? He wrote down exactly what he was supposed to write down. Now, can you imagine if my pen decided to rebel against me, it got a mind of its own, and I tried to write something down, but it wouldn't cooperate with me. Would it get across exactly what I wanted? Of course not. We understand that the book of First or Second Peter chapter 1, we're not going to turn there for time's sake, verse 21, spoke, spoke about that holy men of God spake, spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Bible explains that, that it was not written by the will of man. Some guy didn't wake up one day and said, I think I'm going to write some scripture. But instead, God moved the holy men. Now, notice the qualification. They were holy men of God. That word holy carries the idea that they were sanctified. They were separated into God for God's use. God use me. So he picked an instrument that was surrendered. Here is an example here of Baruch. Baruch didn't say, Jeremiah, you've been preaching for 40 years and no one cares what you say. Don't you get that through your head? No, he was someone who said, you tell me what to do and I will do it. And so Baruch was an illustration here. Jeremiah spoke and Baruch wrote it. Now that's going to be repeated again as Jeremiah tells Baruch, says, listen, you need to go read what I just told you to read. You go pronounce that to the crowd. I can't go for whatever reason. And so Baruch goes and takes the words that was given to him and he speaks the words that were given to him. Praise the Lord for the prophets and preachers and the apostles that God had used to proclaim God's word. God gave him the word and they just said, this isn't my word. This is what I was told to give to you. And he read it out out loud. Now, many people got attention, including some of the princes and the, the hierarchy. And they said, wow, God's really angry with us. We need to go tell people about it. We need to go tell the king about it. And so they reported to the king and they grabbed Baruch. or And uh, they said, we're going to go tell this to the king. But before we do this, they're going to ask, how did we get this? Where did this come from? Notice with me in verse number 17. And they, the princes, asked Baruch, saying, Tell us now, how didst thou write all the words at his mouth? Then Baruch answered them, He pronounced all these words unto me with his mouth, and I wrote them with ink in the book. Again, we have this picture of illustration. How did we get the Bible? Well, God told someone to write it down, and they wrote it down. It's simple, isn't it? But yet, so many people have a hard concept, have an hard idea of getting their minds wrapped around that God is the author of the book. Now, of course, we've explained the reasoning why in previous messages, but this is simple. God spake, the, <laughs> the men of God spake as God moved them. They're the human instruments. This is a book by God that God used human instruments to write. We have this illustration here. And so they take the scroll. They tell Baruch, go hide. Take Jeremiah, hide. Because if the king finds this, he's not going to be happy. And by the way, they were correct. The king was not happy. And so they go and they tell the king. They don't even bring the roll. The king, we just heard amazing message about how God is, not ang- is very angry with us. That we've sinned, that things have fallen apart. And, and we're telling you, king, that we believe this came from God. And the king said, All right, bring me it. And so he sends one of his guards to come and fetch the roll. They get the roll and they start reading it before the king. Now, how does the king respond? This is the word of God. How does he respond? Notice with me in verse number 22. Now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month, and there was a fire on the hearth burning before him. And it came to pass when Jehudi had read three or four leaves, that carries the idea of three or four pages, three or four segments of scroll, he cut it, this is Jehoiakim, cut it with a penknife knife and cast it in the fire that was on the hearth until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Yet they were not afraid nor rent their garments, neither the king nor any of his servants that heard all these words. Nevertheless, El Nathan and Delilah and Gamaria had made intercession to the king that he would not burn the roll, but he would not hear them. Now, verse 25 gives us context that it wasn't just a last minute thing, it was purposeful and deliberate. The king said, Let me see that. And he took the roll and he took his pen knife and began to cut it out. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't think this should be in here. And he started to cut it up. Finally, he said, You know what? Forget the whole thing and just threw it in the fire. And He's getting ready to throw it in the fire. Everyone can see what's going to happen. And the three people are like, please, king, don't do this. Don't do it. If this is God's word, you're going to be in trouble. Don't do this. And they try to beg him off. Please don't do this. Don't do this. But neither the king nor any of the people with him didn't care. No big deal. It's gone. Hey, if there's no evidence, we didn't hear a thing. We're not responsible for it. We don't need to hear it. And so they got rid of it. So we start off with the power of God's word. That it did have a power. There's people who heard it and they recognized it was God's word. There were people who did not want to recognize the authority of God's word. So they tried to discount it. They tried to cut it up and finally they just got rid of it. If it doesn't there, we're not accountable. Which now brings us to the illustration that I want to bring to tonight. The idea of the preservation of God's word. The preservation of God's word. So let me ask you a question. God is watching from heaven. He is watching the king take the pen knife and begin to cut up God's word. God is watching as the king throws the the roll and throws it into the fire and all of it's consumed. Now is God up in heaven going, No! What are you doing? That's my only copy! Now, have you ever written something and then lost it? Maybe the computer deleted the file. And then you try to rewrite it and it never came out the same. Yeah. Well, man, remind you that God is not us? Yeah. That God watched what happened, but he didn't say, well, there goes that. God, the Bible talks about that God's word is forever settled in heaven. Now, may I ask you a logical question? Does God have a different Bible in heaven than what we have down here? Yeah. Not at all. That God has preserved his word and that we have matching copies. God is going to match it. So God wasn't worried. I mean, think about Moses coming down, 10 commandments in hand. He walks down and sees the people frolicking and sinning and whatnot, the golden calf. And he takes those two stone, tablets of stone and he tosses it throws it and destroys it. Is God going, Moses, what are you doing? How am I going to remember what I just gave you to write? Was God worried about it at all? Why? Because God knew what he wrote down. And if God remembers, it's very easy to reproduce it. That's what we're talking about, the preservation of scripture. There are people who believe that if man was responsible for keeping God's word, we mess up everything else, we'd probably mess up God's word. And by the way, that's a true statement. But that's why God did not leave it to us. God promised to preserve his own word. Hold your finger here. Let me show you the promise here. Notice with me in Psalm 12. Psalm 12. Again, we showed you this in length this uh, past Sunday. But because we're still talking about preservation, let's actually see the promise. One of the promises, but this is a very clear promise. Psalm 12. And notice with me in verse 6 and 7. Psalm 12, verse 6 and 7. Notice it says, The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times. And again, we explain that. But verse 6 is talking about the inspiration of scripture. That when God gave his word, it was perfect. It's exactly what God wanted. Then notice with me in verse number 7. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Now, what we come to in verse number 7 is a lot of, pronouns And that the pronoun is actually replacing another noun. We actually have to find the antecedent. And verse number seven is very important because if you get the wrong pronoun in it, it will actually violate and change doctrine. So let's pick out the pronouns once again. In verse number seven, it says, thou shall keep them. That first thou there is there. It's a pronoun of direct address. You go close that door. You do this. In fact, inside of this verse, it actually tells us the person who's being addressed. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. So the first thou there is, O Lord. God is the one responsible. Now notice this, thou shalt keep them. So we come to another pronoun. Well, some people who do not believe in the preservation of scripture will say that that them there is the Israelites. That God had promised to Keep them, O Lord, that thou shalt keep them, the Israelites, from this generation forever. The problem with that is that doesn't follow normal reading, it doesn't follow context, and it doesn't follow Bible interpretation. If we're going to find the pronoun, we have to find the antecedent, which is going to be in context. Notice again verse 6 The words of the Lord are pure words. What is the subject that we're speaking about in verse 6? The words of the Lord. The, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them. Well, the natural reading and the context, we have not switched subjects. So thou shalt keep them. What? The words of the Lord. That God's job is to keep. God's word. O Lord, thou, God, shall preserve them. What are we preserving? The words of the Lord from this generation forever. We see in here God's promise that God is going to preserve his word. We're thankful for that. Now, that's one thing to say here's a Bible verse what is the evidence of that? Well, look back with me in Jeremiah 36. Jeremiah 36, and notice with me what occurs. So verse number 27. Jeremiah 36, verse 27. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after the king had burnt the roll, and God said, What am I going to do, Jeremiah? There was no other recording that was my other copy. Is that what it said? It said, Take thee another roll and write in it all the former words that were in the first roll, which Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had burnt down. So Jeremiah, I'm going to give you all the words again. Don't worry about it. We're going to record everything that had happened previously, exactly the way it was supposed to. On top of that, verse 29, <laughs> um, Thou shalt say to Jehoiakim, um, Sorry. Good. I will just start with verse 28 really quick. So God had told them, I want you to record everything that I just gave you. Don't worry. I remember what they are, Jeremiah. You don't have to worry about your memory. Let's record it again. God did not lose a single word. Even though God's word was under attack, even though someone purposely tried to alter God's word, someone tried to purposely destroy God's word because God promised to preserve his word, nothing was lost. Nothing disappeared. Nothing went away. We didn't lose a book of the Bible. It was exactly what God intended to have. Now, of course, we talked about the curse of Jehoiakim that God had made. That's not what we're spending our time to now. Notice verse 32 as we finally wrap this uh, chapter up. Notice with me if you don't mind. It says, Then took Jeremiah another roll and gave it to Baruch the scribe, the son of Neri, who wrote them from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the book which Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had burnt in the fire. And there were added besides unto them many like words, by the way, including chapter 36, which was not recorded. Because they had to write the word of God. Then they had to give it to Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim destroyed it. Now that's recorded in there because Jehoiakim destroyed it. God didn't lose a single thing. He remembered every word. Was able to reproduce it. And then add to it. Nothing was lost. This here is a historical evidence, a historical illustration of God's preservation of scripture. And we know that the Bible's been under attack and is continually under attack. Even today, people are trying to alter and destroy God's word. But good thing is, God is the one in charge of preserving his word. And God is very much capable of taking care of his own word. Now, again, the primary thing I'm trying to give to you is that I want you to have confidence that the Bible that you have in your hand is exactly what God intended you to have. That's a blessing. You can trust God's word. And we've spent a lot of time in the last several weeks building that case and trying to help you. But may I also make a side application? There are times in our life when it seems everything is burnt up, cut away. And we may look at the problem right in front of us. And we may frantically go, God, what are you doing? God, I don't understand. And the more that you look at that problem, the bigger it is. But may I tell you that there's a God behind that problem. Who is bigger than that problem. Who knows what he's doing. Who, when the Bible describes God. When you see him glanced up in heaven, you know what he's doing? He is sitting on the throne. He's not panicking. He's not rubbing his head. He's not pacing. He's not wringling his hands, saying, What am I going to do? Now, you may be doing that, but everything's well in hand in my Father's house. God knows what He's doing. Everything is all right. It is well. It may not be well with us, but you know, we're in the immediacy. When you look at the scope of what God is looking at and see the information, we may look at this and it may be big for us, but for God, everything's in hand. He knows what he's doing. He's a God who's sitting on the throne. They say that when you fly, that... When you start hitting turbulence in the air, you're supposed to look at the stewardess or in the steward eye or whatever you call the boys that fly. And you look at them. And if they're still smiling and serving drinks when the turbulence happens, you know that you're fine. But when they're starting to run for their seat and buckle their seatbelt, you know you're in trouble. All you have to do is look at the one in charge and see how they're responding. Well, when your life's turning topsy-turvy and the storms are going and nothing's working out right and everything that you do is failing... You look up and see God and as long as he's sitting on the throne, as long as he's got everything well in hand, you know that everything is going to be all right. God knows what he's doing. I'm trying to give you some comfort. God is able to preserve his word, but God also can care for his children. What a wonderful God that we have, that God has everything well in hand. Aren't you glad that God is not a panicking God? We may panic, we may run around with chickens in our heads off, we may feel like we have no control and the ship is sinking and we don't know what's going on, but God has never lost control. When Moses threw down the tablets, God was still in control. When Jehoiakim cut up the scriptures, it didn't disrupt God's plan, he still had everything well in control. We have a God we can trust in all things, whether it's we're trusting him that this is his word and that he kept his word and that no one messed with it. This is God's word. Or if it's looking in our own lives and we feel out of control, let me remind you that God is in control. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bachhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ is your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of